It's episode 62, and things are starting to get a little bit spooky around here. On today's episode, we tell a famous UFO mystery story and share bad reviews of one of the world's most iconic, creepy landmarks. Grab your ghost detectors and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy there, Voyagers. Hello, it's the spooky special of the Not So Bon Voyage episode 62. Yeah. 62. 62. We're losing track of our episode numbers because we've uh, had a couple of weeks off recently. The most important thing is that today is Halloween. Today is actually Halloween. We are recording this on Halloween. We are very excited to bring you a spooky special. Yeah, because Halloween's kind of canceled this year, so it's good to do something thematic. Yes. And this is our second Halloween episode. Oh, yeah, it is. We did spooky stories last time. We did do spooky stories. It was one of our earlier episodes. You should go back and listen to it. And yes, because our podcast is only just over a year old. Yeah. Is that when I covered the flight, the ghost flight of 401? Yes, it is. And that's, I think, when I covered the story of Lars Mittank. Wow, that's a good episode. That's a very good episode. Wow. You should definitely go back and look at our first spooky special. It's like five or six. It's it's back at the start. I mean, obviously, you've all listened to all of the episodes at this stage. Obviously. Obviously. But if not, (laughs) go back and listen to that one. We've got another couple of spooky stories for you today. And we have some in the newsers. Maybe. Yes, we do. We'll if see we get- if we get to them. We're going to focus on the spooky stuff. And then we have some not-so-bon voyages in the news, which is always spooky because it's a not-so-bon voyage. Yes. And I also want to give a quick shout-out to any new voyagers who are listening for the first time or are new to the show because we've had a lot of love on Instagram lately and we've had a lot of people submit stories, which is fantastic. We're going to get around to them. Remember that if you want your story told, submit them at notsobonvoyage.com slash submit, or you can always hit us up on the socials at notsobonvoyage on Instagram. And we've had a few people over the week reach out to us. Yeah, we've had a lot of people reach out recently, and that really fills a void in our lives that need to have positive uh, feedback. So thank you for everybody who has sent us messages recently, supporting us and reaching out and telling us that you think we're funny. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate that. We definitely do. And uh, we've said this before and we'll say it again. We definitely run on positive reinforcement. Uh, we don't get paid to do this podcast. We do enjoy it. We know you guys enjoy it. So, you know, a little message goes a long way. Yeah. And I'm a Leo, so I basically live off compliments. So I appreciate that. Hey, good work, Christine. Thank you. There you go. Just feed me tacos and tell me I'm pretty and I'll be your best friend. Okay. There you go. That's <laughs> it, guys. If you want to snatch Christine under my wings, that's what you got to do. Yep. Okay. I'm going to kick off today with our story. We're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to save the in the newsers to the end if we have time. But I'm going to kick it off with a main story, a spooky story, a bit of a mystery, uh, to go in line with my mystery story from last year. And then I have a bad reviews for an iconic spooky location. Oh, yes. Okay, great. I love spooky locations. Yes. And this is our bad reviews, remember, guys. So, yeah, they don't know if our, our friends had a lot of positive things to say about it. People are not impressed. People are not impressed about this location, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'm but for excited. now, we're going to get stuck into the main story. My main story today is called UFO Out of Here. Oh, okay. good one. I got it. I got it. UFO Out of Here. Yeah, I I actually started off and I realized halfway through that I'd just written the person's name as the story title. I was like, I can't do a Christine. <gasps> You're going to pull a Christine. I cannot do a Christine. I Taking need to, you to the think dark of something. Side. So this is the story of Frederick Valentich, born in Australia, my Ooh. fellow countryman, in 1958. 
and he was an aviation enthusiast, quite like ourselves. Oh, are we aviation enthusiasts? I mean, I know we dabble in aviation law, but I wasn't sure if we were enthusiasts. Well, I figure that if we if we actively dabbled in law, we'd probably be enthusiasts. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I we actively dabble. <laughs> not really an active dabbler. I'm more of a passive dabbler. Okay. Well, what follows today in today's story is one of Australia's great mysteries. Really spooky stuff here. Really? I've never heard of it. Me either. Uh, but apparently it's a very <laughs> famous story in Australia and it's very spooky. Really? Well, and you've spooky. never heard of it? Uh, I've never heard of it. It's just like a mystery. And, you know. I love mysteries. You do love a good mystery. I really okay. do. So, growing up, Fred. I'm just going to call him Fred because his name's Frederick Valentich, which is mm. a cool name. It's I a think. very cool name. Okay. I'm going to call him Fred, though. Growing up, Fred had an affinity to flying, and mm. he really wanted to become a pilot. Mm. So twice he had applied to join the Royal Australian Air Force, which is the RAF. Oh, okay? the RAF. The RIF yeah. RAF. The RAF. The RIF RAF. That's like our equivalent of the, I guess you just call it the Air Force, don't you? Don't, yeah. Don't you have a special name? Um, We call it the Air Force, and I think that's it. That's it. Okay. So he twice applied to join the RAF. But he was rejected because he didn't have the right educational qualifications. Mm. So he wasn't one sharp enough. Mm. So he wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. No, he wasn't. He was more of a dull color. He's a dull color. He was a dull color. Okay. Okay. But he did make it into a training program. I think it might have been run by the RAF or somebody, some kind of Air Force qualification type thing. So he made it into the training program, although he wasn't really doing that well in that either. Mm. He Mm. was determined to make it as a pilot. He actually wanted to go through the training to become a commercial pilot. Okay. So I guess he wanted to fly jumbo jets. Like 747, kind of situation, the big boys. Yes. Wanted, and the big girls. And the big girls. It's a quality. Big Bertha. 2020. Well, this is 1950s, but still. Yes, 1958. Oh, actually, I don't know what year it was. Mm. But anyway, so he was struggling at that as well, and he failed some of their training courses. Yikes. I feel like at that point, you should probably just be like, maybe this is not for me. I might stick to the ground, maybe drive a bus. Or a truck. Or, or a truck or something that doesn't uh, have the potential potential to explode in the air yes <laughs> right but, yeah but he was flying okay so he did have a regular pilot's license okay so he but that also doesn't sound he was very good at that either because he was oh, involved right. in a few flying incidents including flying into a controlled zone in sydney he was oh, from victoria boy. so he was flying around doing his little trips and he flew into a controlled zone in sydney and twice deliberately flying into a cloud what? Which I guess is... I mean, fair enough. What It's pretty awesome to fly into a cloud, but probably not a great idea. Yes, not the smartest and the safest thing to do. So did make the Air Force, made it into training, struggled with that, struggled with a commercial pilot, but he was flying and he was getting himself in a bit of trouble. So can I would say... Can you imagine if you're... Sorry to interrupt you, but can you imagine if you were on like a commercial flight and you somehow found out that your pilot had failed the schooling several times to be a commercial pilot and was and a cloud he, chaser he finally figured it out i'd be like nah i'm good yes he doesn't exactly leave you with a lot of confidence in his flying abilities mm-hmm. okay now let me add something else to his little repertoire repertoire his repertoire. little repertoire he was also a avid ufo believer oh boy yes. what a combo he watched films about ufos he was fascinated about finding articles and reading up on them and he was actually worried that they were going to attack him Oh, my God. He also okay. claims to have spotted one himself. Oh. Okay. So he's he's fascinated with what's up there. So he's a bit of a Looney Tune. Well, I don't know if he's a Looney Tune. I didn't find too much stuff that outlaid his character. But I feel like if you're a very avid UFO believer, you usually fall into 
a certain category. I mean, I look, I believe in the paranormal and supernatural. And so I believe and I believe in like aliens or other life force. So why not? We could definitely have UFOs. But I feel like if you're really into chasing them, and then you're also trying to be a commercial pilot, like what if you're flying your commercial plane full of people and you're like, Oh, my God, a UFO, let's chase it. <laughs> okay, well, that's an interesting observation because that is kind of similar to where this story is heading today. Okay. Okay, so let me continue because that is a very interesting thing that you made up. <laughs> I, I make up interesting things you make up all interesting the time. Things. Okay, so we've established he's not a great flyer. Uh, he had just logged 150 flying hours, which meant that he had a new kind of category and it also meant that he could fly at night. So Fred decides that he wants to take off on a trip to go and explore. Now, it's October 21st, 1978. At age 20, Fred took off on a trip from Moorabbin Airport, which is mm-hmm. east of Melbourne, which is where my uh, auntie lives. Yes, mm-hmm. I've been there for Christmas. For Christmas. So it's a little airport, probably like 40 minutes southeast of Melbourne. And he wanted to go to King Island, which is an island in between Melbourne and Tasmania. Oh, I bet it's beautiful. It's in the middle of nowhere, so it's kind of it's in an area called the Bass Strait. So the the water area that separates mainland Australia, so the Victoria Melbourne area, down to Tasmania is called the Bass Strait. So it sits mm. in the middle of the Bass Strait, and that's pretty much all that's there. Mm-hmm. The flight was supposed to be around 125 nautical miles, which works out to be 230 kilometers, and doesn't work out to be 125 miles. Oh, apparently. really? Nautical is different than regular mile? Yeah. I guess that's why they call it nautical mile, because yeah. otherwise it would just be mile. It would just be a mile. Oh, what? Can you tell us the difference? Uh, no, oh. I didn't work it out. One, I mean, okay, cool. Got it. I would say, I yeah, I would say that it's more because it's 1.6 kilometers to a mile, and this is 125 nautical miles to 230, which means it's almost double. I don't know. We're not a math podcast. Everybody knows that. We, that's one thing we are not is a math-based podcast. No, no, no. We are not We're a words people. Not numbers. Not numbers. He's flying in his Cessna 182L light aircraft. Okay. Talk to me about this aircraft. Don't what know do you know about, about it? Don't know anything about it. Do you know anything about anything? I know nothing about this aircraft except for the fact that it is small I would small think. it's probably like a four-seater he is flying by himself uh that's all I know okay got it so he's heading off on the flight and a little while into it it's 706 p.m so this is I'd say this is like it's not quite dark yet mm. it'd be like getting it'd be getting darker what month is this this is the end of October okay so it's coming it's like late spring yeah, so it's probably it's probably like sun sunsets on, mm. and he radios into Melbourne traffic control, and he says that there's an unidentified aircraft following him at forty five thousand feet. Whoa. Sorry, sorry, four thousand five hundred feet. Oh. I told you we're not numbers. <laughs> we're not numbers, guys. I was like, wow, four, we four and a half thousand feet. So he's relatively low. That's low. That's quite low. That's quite low because cruising altitude, as we know, is over ten thousand feet. Oh my god! Because one time 30, I said 000. ten thousand and you berated me. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah, I said over ten. Yeah. So thirty is over ten. Yes. So I'm right. Okay. So Melbourne radios back and they say that they don't see anything on the radar. He says he sees four large bright lights and the object passed about a thousand feet above him, zooming by at speed. Whoa. Okay. He then says it's orbiting around him and he sees a shiny metal surface and a green light. What? It's orbiting him? Yeah. Do you want to know the actual, you know, they actually have the transcript? Yes. Yeah, so like I love trans- a good transcript. Okay. This is the transcript. So he goes, is there any known traffic below 5,000 feet? Uh, they say no. He says, it seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000. They ask him, what type of aircraft is it? 
I cannot confirm. It, it is for bright. It seems to be to me like landing lights. The aircraft has just passed over me at at least 1,000 feet. They say, is it large? Confirm. He says, uh, it's traveling at speed. Is there any Air Force aircraft in the vicinity? Mm. So he's wondering, like, what is this thing? Is it actually, like, is it part of the military? What is this? Yeah. And they say, no known aircraft in the vicinity. Oh, creepy. He says, it's approaching right now from due east towards me. Then there's silence. Mm. It seems to be playing some sort of game. He's flying over me two, three times at times at speeds I could not identify. <gasps> they ask him for his level. He tells him where they're at. And they say, you know, can you confirm it? He says, I can't. So they say, Roger, stand by. Then he goes on and he says, it's not an aircraft, it is... And they say, can you describe the uh, aircraft? As it's flying past, it's long shape. Cannot identify more than that because it's at speed. Uh, It was before me right now. And then they say, how large would it be? And then he says, it seems like it's stationary. I'm doing... What it's doing now is orbiting me. The thing is just orbiting on top of me also. It's got a green light and some sort of metallic. It's all shiny on the outside. It just vanished. (gasps) What do you know? Ah. Like, and then he says, "What kind of aircraft do you think this is? Is it military?" And then they say, "Can you confirm it just vanished?" And he said, "Yes." And then he said, "It's back again." Oh my god! <laughs> and then he said, uh, "The engine—it's rough. It's idling. It's at twenty-two, twenty-four, and the thing is coughing." And then coughing? Yeah. So like the engine's starting to like, like the engine's playing up. And they say, "Roger, what are your intentions?" And he said, my intentions are to go to King Island, uh, Melbourne. That strange aircraft is hovering on top of me again. Silence for two seconds. It is hovering. Uh. It's not an aircraft. Silence for 17 seconds. Open microphone with audible, unidentified, static noise. End of transcript. (gasps) I literally have watery eyes. Why? Because it's scary. (laughs) He said he was going to get abducted and he probably did. Okay, so that is a transcript, and I sort of just skimmed over some parts, but basically there's a few things with some pauses in that, but basically that is his interaction with Melbourne Air Traffic Control on his way flying to King Island. That's hella creepy. Okay, so after the end of the communication, the RAF and ships and other civilian planes went out to search for Fred for the next four days, but they found no evidence of his plane or anything. And he was flying over water, right? He was flying over water. Okay, okay. Yep. And so an investigation occurred and they concluded at, that the result must have been fatal for Fred. But ultimately, they also thought that it was just a bit of a mystery. So before mm. I jump into the parts that follow up this story, what do you think? Okay, well, first of all, this guy is like obsessed with UFOs. And he didn't you say something about how he thinks someone is going to get him at some point? Yes. Or something did, like that? He was quoted as saying something that he was worried or he's anxious about the idea of a UFO attack. So it's pretty weird that he would have this anxiety and then it would happen, right? What are the chances of getting abducted? And also all of his commentary and description of the aircraft or the UFO is very like, you know, cartoony, you know, it was like has a green light, bright lights going really fast, shiny. It's like, it sounds like, you know, a kid, you know, made up what they think a UFO looks like. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So what do you think happened? So I think that he made it up and then he escaped to a private island and is living his best life with a bunch of money. Okay. His insurance claim. So <laughs> so after they didn't find the wreckage or find him, um, they there were a number of theories that were suggested. Mm, I love a good theory. One of them was suicide. That he committed suicide. So that was like the first one they threw out there. Mm-hmm. But many people attested to his frame of mind and said that they were pretty confident that it's not something that he would have... He wasn't set out for that. He was happy. Okay. He was an honest guy. He yep. just... So they ruled that out. Yes. 
The other one was that he staged his own death. Mm, That's what I was thinking. Yes. Mm. So there was a very confusing reading about this. It said that, so they thought that he could have staged his own death um, and he could have flown back to Cape Otway, which is actually just on Victoria's southwest coast. We've been past there. There's a lighthouse there. And Mm. there was some weird stuff about like there was a sighting on the radar there, but then there wasn't. And then I guess ultimately they said that the radar sightings didn't match up. Okay. And so they didn't suspect that he'd actually gone back to Cape Otway and, and staged his own death. Because isn't there like a record of who comes in and out of these airports? Or is it just a free-for-all? There is, but they say that he didn't actually radio in properly to King Island and tell them that he was coming. <gasps> Naughty. And there were also some discrepancies as to why he was going to King Island in the first place. That's why. So mm. he said he was going to King Island to pick up friends. And then on another account, he said he was going to King Island to um, pick up some crayfish, which are kind of like lobsters. Maybe the crayfish are his friends, and they're not. those two things aren't mutually exclusive. There you go. Maybe he wasn't going to eat them. Maybe he's just going to hang out with his crayfish friends. Yes. So <laughs> Let the man live. Let the man live his life. Okay, so there was that. So there was a bit of discrepancies. But then other people said that, remember, he's got this UFO affination. Yes. Is that's that right weird. Yeah. Yeah, Affinity. yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think I think affination is not a word. I think we've looked it oh, up. Oh yeah, I feel Jill sometimes makes up words. I make up words, and then he's so confident, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not a word, <laughs> and I have to look it up and be like, that's incorrect, sir. But why not? Why not? If we it can use good, it. Let's roll it. I mean, that's how that's, that's how, how words so, started. I know that is how so many words started. People just started saying them. Yep, and that's it. That's what you got to do, guys. So remember, he loves UFOs. All right. So some people said that they actually think that he might have been out there trying to chase UFOs okay. to actually find them. Okay. So he's, he's a fixated UFO on chaser. This. Yes. And here is why they think that. Okay. okay. So initially, remember, he goes down and they don't find out anything. Mm. about that so they're like they don't find any equipment they don't find him he just has that radio in and he explains everything that's happening and then he says the engine and then there's a scraping sound and then that's it which isn't so crazy because it's the ocean and a lot of times they can't find wreckages in the ocean absolutely so it kind of makes sense they've lost planes before yeah they'll lose them again oh yeah it's not the first time won't be the last time you guys so in the end so over the years aviation experts they dissect the transcript Mm. Okay, and they start to think about like the things he said, and they believe that the things that he reported could be explained by saying that he was simply inexperienced and that he'd in mm. fact lost control of the aircraft and didn't actually know it. Oh, wait, but how, but what would be the other thing? So he was moving erratically, and so the other flying object looked more erratic or something like that? No, so they said there was something. <laughs> no. No, I mean, you're like, da, 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 da. <laughs> Sorry, we're having trouble communicating that. Yes. No, so I didn't get too far into this, because remember, I'm not an aviation export. I'm mostly about aviation law. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned something about a tilted horizon. And they said oh. it's something that happens when the sun goes down and the horizon basically gets some kind of reflection type thing and it makes it seem like the horizon is tilted. Okay. So inexperienced pilots do something where they would try to correct themselves thinking that they're not actually flying straight. Mm. They would then turn themselves. Okay. Okay. So what they're saying is that he might have flying into the horizon, into the sunset, the tilted horizon, started to tilt himself, all right? Mm -hmm. And then what that did, it made him autocorrect 
and that triggered a series of tilts that actually made him see a lot of the things that he described. Oh, So if he was – imagine a plane flying straight and then you're looking straight at the horizon but then this horizon starts to tilt. So you naturally start to tilt the plane as well thinking that you're that. But next thing you know, you're kind of flying on an angle, Uh right? But then the plane flying like that – so what they're saying that he might have seen is he might have actually seen the reflection of his own lights off something – and Whoa. he actually had a green light on the end of his plane. Oh, wow. He so, had a green light? Jeez. Yeah. So I oh, know. So like he's got a <laughs> it's light. It's like they've got a green light. They've got a green light. Uh, is that yourself, sir? <laughs> yeah. So basically this is way too complicated and technical for me to really understand. But what they basically said, aviation experts, is that by taking apart pieces of what he said, it's also – it's very – possible that he was actually just in some kind of weird spiral and didn't realize it and was actually so fixated on the concept of ufos that he wasn't actually paying attention to his own equipment oh wow that's fascinating yes okay that's kind of one of those things that like if you want to believe something's there so bad you'll actually see it yes exactly wow that's so interesting so 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 that was like kind of like one of the theories as well. So for five years, the mystery lingered until one day on Flinders Island, which is just off the coast of Australia as well, a – actually, I think it is. I'm just throwing out some strange <laughs> geography right there. I think it was Kangaroo Island, Flinders Island. Okay, yep, throwing it out there. Most anyway. people listening to this podcast won't know, so you can just pretend that you know. Yes, Flinders Island, uh, 326 kilometers right off the coast of Melbourne. Mm, that uh, right. A mysterious piece of aircraft washed ashore. After further investigation, they concluded that it had partial matching serial numbers to the same type of aircraft that Fred was flying that fateful night. So remember, he was flying a Cessna 182L or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they found this piece of aircraft and they're like, yes, this actually matches what, like, similar to like what would be on that plane. Okay. And then they're able to find some of the serial numbers and it matched partially to his plane. Mm. And therefore, they concluded it was pretty open and shut case that his plane had crashed mm. and they called it case closed. Uh, that still doesn't rule out the fact that it could have been a UFO though. They, I don't think they've categorically described that it is his plane, but mm. they did say it was a similar piece that randomly showed up and it has mm. matching partially matching serial numbers. So I think in their head they were like, yep, yeah, this seems pretty, pretty what straightforward. What I'm saying is that even if it was his plane, he could have crashed because a UFO was flying around him. Oh, absolutely. And the UFO peeps, they don't believe Oh. That it's, they believe very strongly that extraterrestrials had either destroyed the plane or abducted him. I'm sure they do. <laughs> so they are very adamant on this. Mm, they probably think it's a government cover-up that they this other theory that it was his own plane. Yes. There's also there was a photo taken by a farmer off the coast of Cape Otway that he says that he saw something hovering with what looked like a plane attached to it, dripping oil. He took Whoa. a photo that is – I saw the photo. It's not very conclusive. It's <laughs> like what you can actually see. Um, I'll show you the photo right now. We can put a, okay. a picture of it up there. Uh, you tell me what you think. It's very small. That's the photo right there. Uh, so it's this thing in the right corner? Yes. It looks like pretty much just a smudge. It's a blob. It's a blob. Uh, it's very hard to tell exactly what it was. But he did. he did say that – in, there were so many things that came back years down the track where people tried to say, oh, yeah, like I saw something that night as well. Mm. It was all very – it's just like very UFO-y. Like, oh, yeah, mm. I saw it. I got a photo. I don't know where the photo is. Mm-hmm. This and that, this and that. But ultimately, the investigators concluded that Fred was probably so concerned about UFOs mm. that he went out looking for them and being so convinced that he'd found one and that they were going to kill him, he actually – 
basically caused his own death wow. by not paying attention to his own flight. Oh, poor Fred. So he gets in the plane. He's like, I'm going to go find UFOs. Because remember, his story was kind of like up in the air about why he was going flying. Mm-hmm. He said he was going to pick up friends. He said he was going to pick up crayfish. Mm-hmm. Both of those didn't really check out. I mean, and- I still am of the belief that the crayfish were his friends, yeah. but we can just that can be a discussion yeah. for another podcast. So really, it kind of just seemed like he was just going for a flight for flight's sake, which mm. is fine. Like people, you know, oh, people, people flying, were doing that. Cruise. But they think that he might have been out there looking for UFOs and then it just was a very coincidental timing that he happened to get himself in a little bit of a bad situation, mm. was so focused on the UFOs and thinking that they were going to come and abduct him that he actually basically crashed his own plane. What a pickle he got himself in. So that was because he was flying at sunset, basically, right? Yeah, something to do with that tilted horizon. If we have any pilots out there who can explain tilted horizon, uh, that would be fantastic. If not, just Google it. I've never heard of that before, but that's really interesting. Yes. So, yeah. So there was a couple of other things. Like one of the things was that there was a fisherman on the island that said in the distance that they did see something that looked like a plane and a green light on top of it. But then they also explained that that could have been the fact that the plane was tilted Mm. and it was actually going sideways. Um, The engine idling, they said that it could have been the plane plummeting down Mm -hmm. and the G-forces that were like rattling it. There was a, a lot of things that they could basically dissect from the transcript and explain that could happen if you were inexperienced and not actually paying attention. Wow, that's so interesting. At least the guy died like affirming his greatest belief that UFOs are real. Is yeah. that kind of a bit of validation? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's still, it still largely is a mystery. Mm. I mean, even though like they can't categorically claim that he's dead, mm-hmm. even though because they never officially found the body, they mm-hmm. never officially found the wreckage. Um, so it does still loom today as one of Australia's great UFO mysteries. And it's... Apparently quite notable around the world as well. Mm, I've never heard that. That was a great story. Thank you for telling me. That's so interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a good spooky little Halloween story. It is spooky because what if it was UFOs? That's it. I mean, you never know. Well, remember like a few, this is like maybe two years ago that the US military released that information, those videos of the unidentified flying objects. And they were basically like, yeah, we have no idea what the fuck this is. Yeah, the Pentagon. They're like, here's five photos and we can tell you that we've got zero idea what this is. Yeah, and they're moving at such a speed and in such agility that there's no uh, reasonable reason for this. Yeah, I mean, there are some, there's no reasonable reason. I mean, that's usually the thing. I mean, you, I like my reasons reasonable, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, I can take some unreasonable reasons every now and then, but not too often. Not too often. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you never really know. Yes, I think that the government definitely holds back on some spooky shit that they don't want us to know about yet. Yes. So why do you think they told us about the uh, UFOs? Then? I don't know. I, that's a really good question. I, I think they were probably doing something other, like some other thing that was really shady, like dropping bombs in the Middle East or whatever. And so they were like, hey, look at these aliens. <laughs> Distraction. Hey, what's this? And then they're like doing something over there. Right, exactly. It's like Probably. when you pretend to tell someone like, hey, what's over there? And you steal a chip off their plate. Oh, yeah. That's the classic. Yeah. Well, Voyagers, we'd love to know, do you believe in UFOs or mm. aliens? That would be an interesting poll to take. Yes, definitely. That would be very interesting. We'll put up on our Instagram. You can go and check it out. Uh, we'll do it now. The episode. So this episode's coming out on Monday, but we'll put it up on Instagram and we'd love to know if our voyagers believe in UFOs. I'm yes. not sure. I'm not saying that they, they don't exist. I'm just saying I don't know. Mm. There's a lot of things we don't know in this world. Yeah. I think it's kind of um, not ethnocentric, but like planet-centric to think that we are the only living life forces in this universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Mm. Don't be so close-minded. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I've don't mean lo- earthist. I've been looking at Facebook groups about people showing, sharing photos of like ghosts they've seen. So anything's possible, you guys. Anything is possible. But all of this story, um, which was great, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. I thought that was really interesting. No this reminded me of my dad has been telling me all of his plane stories because he used to be a pilot and he used to fly really small planes. And he's had like four near-death experiences where he's done like dumb shit in his plane. Your dad and has told me those stories. He's been as well. telling me these stories, and I'm like, oh my god, I got to start telling these on the podcast there because they're hilarious. We should wild. we should tell him next time. Yeah, so I'll get him to write them down, uh, very slow typer, but we, <laughs> we can make it happen. I might have to dictate on the computer, but yeah. I'll I'll tell my dad's plane stories. Cause yes, who doesn't love a small plane near death story? Yes, we'll get him to start telling them now. So uh, in 2021, we'll have those stories too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah. Yes. And now sticking on to the spooky theme, I wanted to do a not so Bond review. Mm, Love it. And I wanted to stick to a place that is uh, an iconic place for some creepiness. I love iconic creepiness. My favorite type. So we're sticking with the Halloween theme. And today I wanted to look at a couple of, just a couple today before we get into uh, one of your in the newses. Mm. I wanted to look at the Stanley Hotel. Ooh. Are you familiar with the Stanley Hotel? Um, I am familiar with it. It's from The Shining, right? Yes. I've never seen The Shining, but it's in Colorado, right? So it is the inspiration for Stephen King's uh, novel, The Shining, mm-hmm. which was made into a major motion picture with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And that's about... Stanley Kubrick, right? Is it? I feel like it is, but I could be wrong, but I think it is. It might be. I don't really know that much about it. Have you seen it? Yes, a very long time ago. It is Stanley Kubrick. It is 1980. It is Jack Nicholson. It is creepy. There's those twins in the it's hallway. Creepy. Who's the lady in it? There's a Shelley lady. Duvall. Oh, Shelley Duvall. Oh, yeah. Is she related to Robert Duvall? Uh, I don't know, but I think she. I think was it this movie that they did some really messed up stuff during filming to scare them and to get that natural reaction. I think it was. I'm Look not sure. into The Shining filming because it's pretty messed up. Okay. I'm not sure, but <laughs> the the Stephen King 1977 novel was made. Uh, the inspiration was made for it at the Stanley Hotel. Now, I don't think the movie was actually filmed at the Stanley Hotel, but the inspiration for it was. Mm, I'm not sure. Okay. But basically, so a lot of it's a very iconic movie. It's a, it's got a cult following. I guess a mainstream following as well. It's a pretty mm. pretty famous book and movie. Where is it? I'm not sure. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure the the place that they filmed at is in is near Denver. Because I, I weren't we going to go there Estes Park? Yeah, Estes Park. Yeah. Yes. So oh, that's this that's Stanley Hotel is definitely not the one. That's in California. That's in California. California. Okay, Stanley yeah. Hotel is in Estes Park, Colorado. Okay, but is that where they filmed it as well? They actually filmed it in at a hotel in Oregon. Mm. Okay, so the filming location, but the original, the big like picture and the big inspiration for the book came from Estes Park, Colorado. Creepy. Okay. So a lot of people go to this hotel that are enthusiasts and they go there to experience it. Mm. Now, it has some good reviews, okay. but it also has some very poor reviews. Mm. People are not very happy about this hotel. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to read you through uh, some of the best ones that we found. Love it. This one is titled The Stanley Amusement Park. Mm. If you like fighting your way through tour groups and random people walking the halls, this is the place for you. I love doing that. If, as a registered hotel guest, you like fighting for a parking spot with the tour groups, this is the place for you. (laughs) As you can tell, the sarcasm is very thick here. (laughs) I love it. The hotel has no parking reserve for hotel guests and no valet. 
If you like walking three quarters of a mile across a dirt field to get to the closest restaurant, this place is for you. Three quarters of a mile? Wow, this person needs to get out more. Yeah. That's really not that far. The hotel offers no shuttle service, no lift, no Uber, no taxi. Mm. There is no room service, which is fine since the food at the hotel restaurant was awful. Oh, shit. (laughs) The rooms, however, were very worthy of The Shining. Spooky, old, and decrepit. Oh, wow. The management even built a hedge maze to mimic The Shining. Unfortunately, half of the three-foot-high hedge was dead or dying. Oh, no. So this way sounds like shit. Yikes. That's a... Yeah. I I guess, yeah, that's a, not a good... That's not good. Sorry. No, no. Okay, here's the next one. You can understand why Stephen King had nightmares at this hotel. My spouse mm-hmm. and I recently spent two nights at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. I had nightmares both nights. Not because of The Shining, because the room was exceptionally hot. No air conditioning and noisy. A hallway door right outside our door banged all night long, waking me up every 10 to 15 minutes. That could be a ghost. Yeah. The staff must have heard that complaint often as they were unhelpful until I had called six or seven times and made two trips to the front desk. They finally put a towel under the offending door to keep mm-hmm. it open. <laughs> Service at the restaurant was also surly. I've never spent so much on a hotel room meal and gotten such awful ghastly service. But if you want to have nightmares that inspired Stephen King <laughs> to write The Shining, the poor service, noisy and stuffy rooms in the Stanley will guarantee you that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> and there's a few other. I mean, there's some good ones, but there are quite a few uh, reviews about how shit this place is. Mm. This is just an, a really short one. Not worth it. Just read The Shining and be done with it. Mm. Overhyped, over Overpriced, rundown, and awful. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> and then a couple of the funny titles that I, I'm not going to read you uh, too many more, but the titles was Scary But Not For The Ghost <laughs> and Staying Here Will Haunt You. Oh, no. <laughs> so not a lot of people had many good things to say about the Shining Hotel at uh, Stanley, the Stanley Hotel in wow. Estes Park. You really don't want to go to a hotel, a supposedly haunted hotel, and then be scared by the service and the food. That's a sad experience. Yeah, you go there thinking like, oh, this is going to be creepy. And then you're like, oh, this place creeped me out because it was so shit. Yeah. (laughs) We've (laughs) been to a few hotels like that. We have, we have. Uh, So there you go. That's it. Do you want to do an in the news still? Love do, it. Do you want to do a quick one? I could do a quick in the news. Let's do a quick one. Okay. I know you've got a I know you've got a longer one to discuss, but we can save that for next week. Okay. This is kind of a random one because it's not Halloween related, but it is messed up. Okay. So if you want to get into some more gruesome stuff, then this is it. Okay, here we <laughs> here go. Here we go. I just called this Qatar. Okay, Qatar. You know I'm bad at uh, names. Yep. Okay, so early October. This is very recent. This just happened this month. Oh, we got some travel news, baby. This is travel news. Uh, in Doha, in the airport in Doha, an infant baby girl was found abandoned in an airport bathroom. Whoa, okay. Yes. That's creepy. The baby is recovered and doing fine. I'm going to put that out there. But she was found in a state that seems, I'm not going to say it because it's pretty gruesome, but it's it was a state where you would think that this person did not want this baby to live, basically. Oh. She was like cut under under a lot of stuff and like wrapped up and not in a, not in a good way. Wow! So, so someone was trying to ditch their baby. Somebody was trying to ditch their baby. So it, um, Qatar has really strict laws on sex outside of marriage. So people, if someone, if a woman gets knocked up, then they can get into some serious trouble. Uh, so it's okay. possible that that that's the reason this baby girl was abandoned. Oh, that's very sad. Very sad, but the baby's recovered and doing fine. And but okay, so the one of the other bad things about this situation is that Qatar Airways 
Days launched an immediate investigation to find the mother. So basically what they did is they rounded up female passengers from 10 different flights, including 18 women on a flight to Sydney, 13 of which were Aussies. They pulled them off the flights with no explanation and proceeded to examine them in an ambulance on the tarmac. Whoa. Yes. What sort of of examination? To quote, they had their genitals invasively examined without their consent. Whoa, that is super fucked up. Yes. Apparently, they were given no explanation before the strip searches started. They were literally just on a plane, and these officials came in, pulled women off the plane, with no explanation, it didn't really matter what age they were, it seemed. I'm assuming that it's over, they were over 18, but it seems, I heard something about, you know, like maybe older women chucked them off the flight, had them on the tarmac in an ambulance, and they examined their genitals. To see if they had been the one that Recently gave birth. Recently gave birth. Is that messed that up? That is super fucked up. Yeah, how traumatizing. It was apparently just like a big mess. They just had all these random women. Also, and- what... what um authorization do they have to do that i mean that's like a huge violation huge violation huge violation yeah definitely very invasive horrible so the australian government is pissed obviously yeah seriously 13 aussies and uh they're thinking of taking legal action against so they should airport i guess well yeah that story started very weird and ended weird but uh Glad to know that the baby's doing fine. The baby's um, doing fine, yeah. Interesting travel news. Yes, but I mean, that's a non-so-bon voyage if I've ever heard one. Oh, God, seriously. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, all right, time to head home. That was a nice holiday. Um, oh, sorry, man. Uh, uh, where am I going? Uh, off, off the plane. Well, I'm trying to go home uh, into the ambulance. Oh, now you've got, you're pulling my pants down. Okay. <laughs> not a happy flight. Not those, a happy flight. those women were not happy. No. That's horrible. Huh. But we're glad that the baby girl's doing fine. Seriously. Okay, well, that's good. I know you've got another in the news. Um, we probably don't have time to talk about today, but we're gonna we're gonna be back next week with another episode. What's what what's the in the news for next week? So in the news next week, I'm going to talk about a missing hiker Ooh. that there is some conspiracy and intrigue and mystery surrounding her disappearance. I have heard snippets of this story but i know that you're going to cover it so i purposely not looked into it something to do with zion yes. national park in, zion. Uh, in utah in the u.s yeah we'll just have to uh, hang out for next week yeah and you can tell me what you think about it i'll tell you my take on it and then we can hear the audience reaction fantastic <laughs> can't wait to hear that next week okay guys we're going to jump out for here now we just want to say thanks once again for listening to the not so bon voyage podcast rate and review the show tell your friends uh, remember you guys had homework uh, didn't get any <laughs> uh, what was the homework again i don't know i can't remember we had home- <laughs> our homework was to produce an episode we didn't do it so we'll let you off the hook we, we missed last week but we're back now oh it was to share mm. the podcast well people po- might have done it and not told us about it yeah just share the podcast <laughs> but we did get some good feedback about the t-shirt so i think we're going to move forward with those yes and we got we got a lot of lovely messages so keep those coming uh yes they we always, love that we keep us going they keep us they going. fuel us they do mm-hmm. all right guys until next week remember to stay safe on the road and if you're not make sure you tell us about it and happy halloween happy halloween